Well, if you grab your Bibles or your phones, you want to be able to read along the Scriptures with me. Uh, you're only about three hours behind me reading them myself, so we're going to be joining together, aren't we? That's uh, good. And I'm going to pick out a little bit of the few things which I saw in this and how they speak to us as we get into Romans chapter 2. Okay, so make sure you can have a good look at that. Now, to give you some context here, uh, Paul is absolutely convinced about the holiness and the righteousness of God. That is his base starting point. And because of that, he says, he looks around, he goes, humanity, humans, from what I see, if there's a holy God and we're meant to reflect that, then I'm pretty disappointed in what I see, essentially. And he goes, how can we be reconciled to such a great God who is holy in, in that way? And you know, humanity falls so far short. Even those who are doing good can never achieve the righteousness or the perfection or the holiness of God. And to really understand that right, he kind of then talks a lot about how God actually sees this gap and what he thinks about it. He talks about wrath and here today we'll talk about judgment. But in all of this, he is overwhelmed by the incredible grace of God exhibited to us in Jesus Christ, who takes on all of that so that we can live and live right with God, even in our imperfections. And so what he continues to do, and he started halfway through chapter 1, and he takes it through to around about chapter 3, is just keeps on highlighting this picture of God as righteous, the perfect judge, and us as imperfect, in need of judgment, deserving of judgment, and then what we simply do with that. And that comes in in chapter 3. Now, if we look to verse 24 of chapter 2, this is where I want to start because what we see here is Paul taking aim. Now, I wish last night the crows had taken aim. They just... Who let that man in? At least the saints kicked straight. That was a difference, right? Yeah. Welcome, stranger. <laughs> Simply if they'd kicked straight, we would have won. And here, Paul is just taking aim. He says, listen, if you just walked right with the Lord, we'd all be okay. Listen to this. He says, for as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Oh. When you read Paul, you just start squeaming. You just feel like he's got you. He just names it. He's saying the Gentiles, who is everyone who is not the Jews, the rest of the world, they're talking badly about the name of God because of the way in which you are living out walking it. And whoever it is that he's talking to would just feel totally lined up because of you. Now, in some ways, we all carry the history of the church. You might be talking to someone and you are having a conversation about your faith and they say something like, I can't believe because the church did that. And you go, yeah, we have to carry that in some way, confess it. Here, 
Paul lines up these people. He says, it's because of you, the way in which you have lived out your faith, that the holy name of God, his beautiful work, is not revered or responded to. It's because of you. And so Paul kind of lands this judgment. And he does it, I think, to start talking into what we've often understood, even what Jesus speaks into, is how hypocrisy tarnishes the beauty of our faith, of people who confess to be believers but have a walk which is quite different. And he picks this up. I mean, it was was one of the great themes of what Jesus' ministry was about, about those who cast judgment when they themselves should be under judgment for the way in which they live. We know the story of the woman caught in adultery brought before Jesus by the leaders who are saying, look, we're going to stone her for what she has done. And Jesus says, well, before you do that, each of you just kind of consider your own heart and your own life. You who have maybe sinned, why don't you, haven't sinned, cast the first stone? And of course they're just under that judgment and you know, this woman's life is saved. And Jesus also talks about it when he talks about how we would see others in light of ourselves. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, when he talks about judging others, he says this, Judge not that you, are, you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce you will be judged, and with the measure you use it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Hypocrisy is the essence of what Paul wants to get through. He says, God will judge. And he's got every right to do that. And he'll look at each of us and says, well, before you judge others, just be aware that we all sit under the judgment. What he really wants to do is align what they believe and how they act together. Get the talk to match the walk and the walk to match the talk. And... As he does this, he does it by speaking very strongly. In chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges, for in passing judgment on another you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? What Paul is outlining here is that those who feel like they can make judgment calls just have to be very careful about it. Now, each one of us, as we grow older, feel that we can actually get pretty good at judging people. We think we can actually work them out. I've got a gut feeling. I know people. We can sort it out. Two Friday nights ago, me and my brothers were at an event hosted by my cousin. He has us there to help cook for a bunch of guys who come in. I think he's also there to help moderate things a little. 
Anyway, two guys came in and my brothers, the four of us, were all there. And I thought, I'll have some fun as we're getting introduced to these guys. And I said, to these, as they found out that we're all brothers, they said, that's amazing, you'll get along. I said, yes, we do get along. And I thought, I'm going to ask this guy, who seems pretty confident about things, a question. So I said to him, I said, what do you think each of us do? What's our occupation? And uh, he says, oh, I'm in sales. I'm good at this. And we all sat back as this guy said this. Well, one of you, you, you run a small business. And you, you're a tradie. And you, you work for the government. And I can pick it. Another one of you, you're in sales. And now uh, us four brothers all just looked at each other and just smiled smugly. Because he's so wrong. His judgment was off. And they always love it when they get to me as I share what I do. My brothers go, oh, this is going to be funny. <laughs> and one brother said, yes, I work in uni administration. The guy goes, really? I thought you were a tradie. <laughs> and the other one said, I'm a professor. He goes, really? And another one, I'm a teacher. And then I said, yeah, I'm a pastor. Goes, no way. I'm thinking, what is it about me that people think, I'm a pastor. What is it I'm doing? But he was so sure. He said, man, I got that so wrong. And this is what we can do. And that is why God says, listen, just be slow on coming to these conclusions. He says, and this is the way in which you need to understand how God works. When we start jumping to those conclusions, just take a good look at your own heart. Take a good look on what God wants us to do. Because the guy that God works isn't about getting to a place where everyone is just cast into hell and judged it, but his goodness is so right that he actually wants to bring everyone to a point of repentance. And it says it here in verse 4 how it happens, through his kindness and forbearance and patience, that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. And he's talking to these guys who are saying, you just want to judge and write them all off. And you're taking this grace for granted where instead that grace is to actually shape your heart so that how it lives its way out is in alignment to what you believe. Verse 5, it says, But because of your hard and impertinent heart, you are storing up with wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Whenever the Bible talks about the heart, it is really talking about an individual or a believer coming back to that point of repentance, which is degrees of change back to the heart of God. And here Paul names it. He says, listen, be careful of the heart which gets hard and the heart which is impenitent, which means is a heart which has no regret or sorrow. Be careful of that heart being formed in your life because if that heart starts getting it, you're going to be in this point of judgment and then you're going to sit under God's wrath and you're going to be acting out of that bitterness and hardness and Quite simply, you won't be reflecting the beauty of our Lord and Saviour. He said, listen, repentance comes to this place where you are softening your heart before God and you are penitent, which means you are sorrowful for where you're at. And Paul, he says, this is more than just a theory. And friends, we must understand that our faith is more than just thinking about God or just saying, yeah, I love God. 
that thinking and that love must live itself out in action in our world. For that exhibits what God did in Jesus, came and dwelt among us. And that's what God calls us to do, is to live that out. In verse 4, he will render to each one according to his works, to those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honour and immortality, and to them he will give eternal life. What Paul is saying is you live for the glory and honour of God in doing well. He contrasts that in verse 8, but for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. Just gives it. He says, don't just think about being saved. Live out your salvation. That is the way it is to be seen. And he says in verse 9, there will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek. There will be distress and tribulation for those who live quite contrary to the ways of God. Paul is quite clear about this. In fact, the scriptures talk about three types of people, the wise and how we are to live wisely, the foolish, talks about those who actually know the truth but don't live that out, and then talks about the evil who work in direct contrast to God's will. So be very careful and know where you sit in each one of those. But, he says, but glory and honour and peace for everyone who does good the Jew first and also the Greek, for God shows no partiality. Before God, you live this this out and glory and honour and peace will come to you. Paul is quite clear. He's saying, yes, God's judgment reigns. And you need to confess this before God and be shaped. But then live it out in this new life that you have The challenge for us, I believe, as believers, is getting to a point where our mind and our heart and our action are all in alignment before God. And in fact, that is the great wrestle of the Christian life, is how do we get this all coming together? The beautiful thing, though, is when it does, and you might get a glimpse of it, is it just feels that you are free and you sense that God's favour and smile is upon you. If we swing through to verse 16 here, we read of the day that each of us will stand before our Lord. It says, On that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. Here, I believe, Paul is giving us a clue as to how to get everything in alignment. He says, God knows everything but he doesn't want you to hide from him. The judgments, the biases, the conclusions that you come to, the state of your heart, he says, listen, in the beauty of confession, come and bring them before God. I think God has this picture that he wants for each of us. When we get to that point and before him and give an account for our life, that it's got to be a celebration of your life with him, not this case of, oh, heck, and that, and I was keeping that from you, God. God says, listen, on this earth, start bringing the secrets of your heart. Live free before him. Go into those compartments which you've been keeping from him. Open them up. 
and let his grace into that spot. So when that time comes, when you're talking with Jesus about your life, it's like, yeah, God says, I know that. And we work through that and hear the good things which have been happening. You with me? Live open before God now. He knows. And my prayer is that each of you will have this deep sense that your talk and your walk are aligned. You don't need to fear the judgment of God, but you do need to hold it in holy respect. But maybe that respect of it takes you to that place where your inner world is being refined before Jesus and your action is being lived out as a reflection of what's going on here. God's word keeps on shaping us. So what do we do with this? Firstly, practice confession as an everyday part of your life. It softens the heart, keeps you right before God. Secondly, start to understand the difference between spiritual discernment and judgment. Discernment is necessary and God speaks into it. And thirdly, keep on aligning what you think with your heart and with your action. Be authentic in everything you do and you will give glory to the God that you love. Let's pray. Lord, your word is a challenge for us. We get pictures of how righteous you are and the kind of judge that you are. Lord, we recognise that we're always a work in progress. As we turn back to you, as our hearts are softened, Lord, may what we think about you shape our hearts towards you, which might shape the actions that we live out of. And we thank you, Lord, that by your grace we can keep coming back to you. There's no secrets that we need to hide from you. And we can walk in deep abidance with you, our God. All of this, Lord, is enabled by your incredible grace given to us in Jesus Christ. And may we as your people here at Hope Valley talk the talk and walk the walk. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Friends, as we close here this morning, uh, we're going to sing this beautiful song, Ever Be, which simply talks about praise. But it could be that as you do that, you say, Lord, I'm going to just... I've been holding something and I'm just going to give it over to you in the word of praise. Or it could be a prayer which comes out. And just do that and know that you are right with him. Let's stand together.